to Shocking Things. I'm John with Laura. Hi. And we're going to talk about a film Laura picked, Poltergeist, released on June 4th, 1982. And this is the 40th anniversary, Laura. This movie's older than you. I am so excited. I love this stinking movie. Now, why'd you pick this? Why did I pick this? Because I love it. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you saw it? No. Oh, we were no, very I was, young, yeah, though, I'm guessing, young. right? I don't, yeah, my memory is not like yours. I must have watched this easily over 50 times. Oh, really? Maybe more. Okay. Yeah, I was young when this... I didn't see this in the theaters when it first came out. I saw this maybe a few years later, probably, you know, one of the pay channels, like HBO, something like that. But it was a big deal. People were talking about this a lot. This is really... Yeah, you have to remember that we're, yeah. we're different times. And mine was aired on... My era was aired on TV probably all the time sure. where you had to wait yep. for the release to come out so that's most likely why i've seen it a million times so yeah rated pg and it spawned two sequels and a remake and we're watching a documentary and it says poltergeist polter in german means noisy and geist means ghost in german correct now the difference between a poltergeist and a ghost is the ghost is a spirit of a deceased human being and a poltergeist is a form of energy that is controlled intentionally or unintentionally by someone. Okay. Okay, so what we're going to do is talk about the movie a little bit, some of the, most of the major scenes, and then just talk about in detail what you want to, Laura, and I'll do the same. Sound good? Sure. All right, so also, uh, if you want to watch it now, it's streaming on HBO Max. It was produced by Frank Marshall and Steven Spielberg. I mean, who's produced lots of movies, also directed tons of movies. For produced, right off the top of my head, I know he did uh, Gremlins. And I know he's very hands-on on this movie. It is directed by Toby Hooper, probably best known for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Also, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, uh, Salem's Lot, The Fun House, uh, Life Force, and The Mangler. Uh, those most notable ones on his resume, and it's written by three people, Steven Spielberg, again, he's done so many things, Close Encounters, Third Kind, The Goonies, AI, 
uh, Mark Grace and Mark Victor, the writing team, who also worked on it. And they also worked together on Poltergeist 2, Mark for Death, and Cool World, some of their films. The cast, Craig T. Nelson as Steve Freeling. He was also in Poltergeist 2. Uh, I know him a lot from the Coach TV series. He did the voice, uh, Mr. Incredible and the Incredibles. And he was also in Young Sheldon and the Parenthood TV series. Joe Beth Williams as Diane Freeling. She was in Poltergeist 2 and The Big Chill. Dominique Dunn as Dana Freeling. Uh, she did a lot of TV appearances, Fame, Chips, Hill Street Blues. Heather O'Rourke as Carol Ann Freeling. Poltergeist 2 and 3 are what she's most known for besides this. Uh, she's done 12 episodes of Happy Days and 3 episodes of Webster, which Laura just saw for the first time. Uh, Zelda Rubenstein as Tangina Barons. Uh, she was in Poltergeist 2 and 3, Under the Rainbow, 16 Candles, Southland Tales, and Behind the Mask. Beaches Strait as Dr. Martha Lesh. She was in Network and the TV series St. Elsewhere. Oliver Robbins as Robbie Freeling. He was in Poltergeist 2 and one of my favorite comedies, Airplane 2. Michael McManus as Ben Tudhill. He was in Kentucky Fried Movie, Moving Violations. Virginia Kaiser as Ms. Tudhill and Mommy Dearest and Dreamscape. Martin Casella as Dr. Martin Casey. He only has a handful of credits, uh, the best being the yuppie in Robocop 2. Richard Lawson as Dr. Ryan Mitchell. He has a ton of TV credits. Uh, for films, he's in Scream, Blackula Scream, and How Stella Got Her Groove Back. Those are the most notable ones. James Karen as Mr. Teague. He has a huge resume. Uh, Return Living Dead 1 and 2. And being a spokesman for the Pathmark Grocery Store in the TV ads are my favorites from his resume. Mm -hmm. uh, so now, how would you describe the premise of this movie? Do you know, or do you want me to describe it, Laura? Yeah, you go ahead. I mean, it's basically... <laughs> a family lives in a yeah, complex, yeah, that the, is. Yeah, it's like the suburbs, right? They're all... It's, it's like a, a manufacturer. designed... Yeah, like neighborhood, right? Yes. And you have this poltergeist, right? Uh, objects move around the house, and their young daughter gets taken from these, from this, right, this entity, this poltergeist, right? Right. So that's basically the, the gist of it. So it's a California suburb where Steve Reeling is a real estate agent, and that development is where they live, and he sells those developments. Yeah, that's it, a development. Yeah. And so he has his wife, and... Uh, his children, Dana, Robbie, Carol Ann, and the dog. What's his name? E-Buzz? I didn't catch that. Yeah, and Cuesta Verde, California. I just caught Tweety. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, starts off out, and the dog, E-Buzz, tries to wake everybody up, and there's static on their television set, right? And then Carol Ann's, like, the only one that hears this. And mm -hmm. there's, like, voices coming out of the TV, and she's talking to them. And she's the only one. Nobody else can hear this. So, uh, this next scene, very strange, and Laura wanted to talk more about this when we get to it, how there's this big football game, and one of Steve's friends is coming to the house, and remember these kids had these radio control cars, they're like little pricks, these kids, and they're trying to not, 
this guy looks like he's 40 years old and he's riding like a bike. Like, why is he on this bike that's too small for him with a six pack of beer <laughs> trying to get, and these kids are trying to knock him down. I yeah. thought it was funny, like, to get the cars in his way. Well, it, it, it's classic Spielberg. Like, it, it opens up like it's, uh, maybe not today's day, but it's a classic. It's like a football day. What was it, a weekend? They yeah, get clear yeah that it's like Sunday, weekend. yeah. He's trying to get there. The beer is exploding. Like, they're having fun. They're trying to watch TV. But it makes you, it pulls you in immediately. It makes you feel like you're you're part of it's it. It's, like, relatable, right? It's relatable. Would you say, yeah, and this is the part that Laura was confused with she's asked me was this possible and like not that i'm aware of not in my neighborhood when they're watching the football game and it turns into mr rogers all of a sudden and the neighbor mr tudhill yeah i'm curious it. to know if anybody is well, yeah were they on one satellite <laughs> feed had... i don't know because they're a development all together i have no idea but there's no way you could just start sharing tv with your neighbor I'm you'd very go crazy to know if yeah. accurate <laughs> Uh, and this is what Laura's talking about, Tweety. So Diane finds the pet parakeet dead. So this, yeah, that's another thing I like about this movie is the beginning of the movie. They, they, it's a wholesome family. They bring you in. You want to hang out with them. But there's also this foreshadowing of these events to come. It's like no details left out in this movie. It's beautiful. So Tweety Bird dies. And then the, so the mother's about to flush it down the toilet and Carol Ann sees her. So then she's like, oh boy, I got to do something. So then Carol Ann wants a proper burial. I thought it was yeah, cute. Yeah, they have a proper burial for it. Um, it puts it in a cigar box. And then she says, put a flower in it because Tweety won't like the smell because it smells like cigars. I just thought she was cute because that's something a little kid would say. They, right? It's like, relatable. She said it's very cute and relatable. She puts a Polaroid of herself in there to keep Tweety company and a napkin as a blanket. Yeah. <laughs> so it was that was really cute. And I know you mentioned how they're... Oh, go say whatever you want, Laura. No, I was just talking about the foreshadowing. Okay. And then right after that, while they're having the burial, yes. we see Robbie in that gnarly tree. Yes. And there's Scary. storm clouds rolling in. Beautiful scene. And he said, oh, there's a storm coming or something like that. But you can see it, just everything coming in. And it's it's just a nice foreshadowing, I thought. Yep, yeah, so Robbie's, he's climbing that tree. And then the dog tries to, like, big it up. Oh, I'm, I was a pet canary, I read. I'm sorry, not like a canary. And so then the dog's trying to dig it up, and they're trying to bury this <laughs> in the oh, backyard. Yeah. The dog is cute, trying to, which is realistic also. So then they get Carolina goldfish now as a replacement pet. And then she overfeeds this. <laughs> and yeah. She's funny and she's feeding uh, the goldfish saying, come and get it. <laughs> Which is, again, something probably Laura would say as a little kid. Yeah, she's a really adorable little kid. It's kind of strange because I, I have this like weird resemblance to her. Yeah, when you were really, when really was, little. Yeah, just when I was a with, kid. With like three years old, but probably like three to six, or, like around that age, like you looked a lot like yeah. her. Yeah. And then also, so Robbie, they're in, they show their bedroom, which I love because this was very similar to my bedroom. My brother and I, we shared a bedroom. and Robbie and Caroline share a bedroom. And before he goes to bed, he's reading Captain America number 259. That's very important <laughs> that we had to document that in his bedroom. He's got a Rubik's Cube. He's got a Clue board game. He's got Star Wars toys on there. You know, on the shelf near his bed, he's got a Star Wars poster. He's got an alien poster. Yeah, this scene was right up your alley. Yeah, he is, but this is like, it's like a Darth Vader carry case, but it's modified, but they put like red eyes on it for whatever reason. 
Darth Vader poster. He had a Luke, an original Luke on a Tauntaun on the shelf, which that's a no-no. That didn't happen in the movie. Uh, and then he has a scary clown doll, right? This, right? This yeah, probably like three foot tall doll in this rocking chair. And before he goes to bed, he's afraid of it, and he throws like this Chewbacca like sweatshirt, I think it is, over it because he doesn't want to look at this thing. And again, totally relatable. And I, I'm sure we've, I've, I think we've mentioned. I've mentioned two it before in an episode. I had a. Charlie McCarthy ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. Same thing had at my bedroom. I was like, I'd look at him like, I don't, I'm not sleeping with this thing. And I'd pick it up in the middle of the night and put it <laughs> in the living room. Then I go back to sleep. Same. Right? And I had so, a doll. And you had like a doll. Yeah, like those porcelain type porcelain dolls. Doll. Yeah, you're not looking at that thing all night. And this is, Laura was mentioning how, so when Robbie looks outside, it's thundering. He's looking at that tree. And the parents are smoking pot in the bedroom together, right? Yes. But then, so Robbie gets afraid because he thinks that tree is basically alive, right? And at 2.37 a.m., uh, oh, I'm sorry, it, that's the thing that was relatable to you. You said you learned from this film about the counting of yes, the, the storm. Yes, I learned how to count thunder from Robbie's dad. Yeah, to comfort name? him, basically, right? Yeah. yeah. Steve is the father. Steve. Yep, yes, he's trying to comfort him. So I thought that was cool that you learned from this movie about that. Yeah. And so, so then the kids are still afraid, so they go to the parents' bedroom at 2.37 a.m. Laura took note of this, right? That's... Yeah, I thought that was strange. And National Anthem's playing, which Laura, anytime, this was like common in the 80s where it always TV would sign off late at night and you'd hear the National Anthem. Anytime <laughs> Laura, one of the few people, when she hears a National Anthem on TV, she says, oh, Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Every yeah, time. Right. Nobody else? Nobody <laughs> no, else. I don't think anybody else does that, but I just think that's funny. Yeah, so the kids have to sleep in bed with the parents now. And then this is, I thought this still holds up the scene where the spirits come out of the TV and that's where Carolyn says, they're here, wakes up the parents and at the breakfast table, the mother, Diane's asking Caroline, like, who, who are you talking to? And she says, TV people. Hmm. Uh, and then when you're talking about things foreshadowing, they have uh, Robbie's, his glass explodes, the utensils he's yeah, eating start, yeah, they start they bending. Bend. All, Chairs move across the floor. Yeah, all, all this is not normal, right? And now, what about the best part when the the worker, I think they're having like a pool dug or something and the yeah, worker yep, reaches yeah. in the window and he like picks up her coffee cup. Yeah, like it's normal. Yeah. yeah. And the mother gets mad. <laughs> Diane. Yeah. She, she, she does not. <laughs> the guy just takes. He just and then his... another favorite part when Dana, uh, she messes with the Yeah, because they're, they're hitting on her and she gives him the finger. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this comes up later, right? When they're digging the pool in the backyard. And then the dog, the E-Buzz, he's like the only person that they can see these spirits, right? Or senses them, because he barks at the wall, too. If right, you, so there right? was a hole in the wall where the TV, I guess the energy shot through the wall. Mm -hmm. And that's where he barks. And now when you're talking about the chair moving, Diane, she shows Steve when he comes back from work about the chair moving by itself. And then it just moves slowly. It moves pretty fast. So she in puts it in one spots. certain spot. Yeah. And then this was hilarious, right? With um, Carol Ann, when she sets her up. So she doesn't get hurt. She yeah, puts a she football uses helmet. Yeah, daughter, right? Yeah. Not herself. Yeah, just to show it's not just a chair. So it moves something, a heavier object. Puts a, the, her brother's Rams helmet on. Yeah. Puts her in that spot and she just moves 
<laughs> right, just straight across. It's not slanted. Yeah, and of course it's innocent, right? She thinks this is great. Yeah, she thought it was like this was like fun, but it doesn't get fun later on. Another interesting thing after that, the Frillings asked her next door neighbors if they experienced anything paranormal, and during this, Steve gets bit by a uh, hundred mosquitoes in the process when they go to Tuthill's house. Yeah, another foreshadowing, right? And the neighbor, oh. of course, he's so cocky. He's like, "No, I've never got bit by a mosquito, your son." <laughs> <laughs> jerks so robbie and when he's in his bedroom at night we're talking about that tree now it really they thought robbie is exaggerating it comes to life it starts coming through the window and this grabs him this is where it really starts picking up i feel the action at least in this mm -hmm. film and if you want to describe it laura how it just grabs grabs robbie okay so this was a distraction they the tree takes robbie mm-hmm terrifying tree and now the parents and Dana are all trying to collect Robbie and uh, during this yeah during you're the right storm and this is when they take Carol Ann everybody is distracted and they pull her into the closet mm -hmm. the room starts spinning and the yes. air is blowing and it sucks everything into the closet including Carol Ann which is where she disappears yep and when they're looking for her, I thought it was interesting. You got a kick out of it. When they pulled the sheet off, they thought they got Carol Ann, but it was the the clown puppet at first it, in the closet. And again, this is one of the parts that every single detail, like sometimes you don't feel anything in movies. I felt their pain. Like they were, they felt like that was their daughter. And I can't explain how I felt the moment, but I do. Yeah, and Perfect. Yeah, and they start laughing almost like just like nervous like laughter. Like a re yeah, relief laughing. Yeah, so Robbie hears the, her talking. Then Caroline and the TV, so you hear this. She's talking like a distant sounding voice. Caroline's yelling for mommy and then Diane, she's in shock looking at the television. So now instead of calling the police, Steve said he'd, he'd rather go visit these. They're parapsychologists from UC Irvine. So he talks to these people. So it's Dr. Martha Lesh, Dr. Ryan Mitchell, and Dr. Martin Casey. So then they come to the Freeling house where they explain everything. Uh, this scene, I really enjoyed it. It just, another one that starts, the movie starts really picking up when they open up Robbie's room and they just see everything spinning around. And Laura noticed the, this is the thing you pointed do you see the light switch? And it, he has a C-3PO light switch. Which is, they call it a switcheroo. I told yeah. Laura, I said, I used to have a Darth Vader one <laughs> of that. And they have a Amiga Hulk doll on a horse riding around. They have books and records, a lamp flying around. Yeah, it was crazy room. <laughs> it was. And then the clown's like sitting on the bed, almost like riding it too. But and yeah. The investigators are shocked. They've never seen anything. Yeah, because like they're before. talking about seeing things in time lapse. Like, say, oh, we caught a lot of crazy things on video, how it's time-lapse over many hours moving slowly. Right, right. Once they saw this, this, like, blew their minds. So, right, that was all child's play compared to this. And the crew, now they, they talk at the, the kitchen table trying to figure out if this is a haunting or a poltergeist. And they said a haunting could go on for years. And a poltergeist can stop at any time. So. And that really freaks Diane out because yeah. she's like, wait a minute. This can stop at any time, and my daughter will just be gone with the spirits. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, so so Diane uh, tried communicating with Carol Ann. She came back to her in the living room, 
and the TV is on with static and snow on the screen. And she's saying, I'm afraid of the light, Mommy. So then we see a flash of light emerging from the ceiling. Then, now I see objects fall out and I see a pocket watch. Now, did you understand this when the, the things came out? I, I That, I, I didn't really they completely were, they understand. They were from other people, maybe. Okay. Yes, that wasn't really clearly because, explained. Um, Dr. Was it Dr. Lesh? Lesh? Does Lesh. The... Somebody does ask him at the end, are, are any of these yours? Maybe it was Tangina. I can't oh, remember. Okay. And she, he says no. Okay. And she's going to put them on display, Dr. Lesh. Okay. So, all right. Thank you for explaining that because I was a little confused. So then Diane well, I'm said, not sure either. I yeah, because <laughs> that wasn't clearly explained, but hey, that's Again, fine. you can watch it 50 times and still not know. <laughs> so then Diane says she feels, she feels Caroline and smells her. So yes. what does this smell like? Downy soft clothing? Well, I don't know. I guess, well, babies have a scent. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that kids have a scent. Yeah. So the Marty, one of the investigators, goes upstairs. Then he shows that he gets bit, he thinks. He lifts up his shirt. And oh, shows, that was like, one of my favorite parts. Yeah. And Robbie says, you got bit? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was like the cutest scene ever. So this is another scene where Robbie talks with Dr. Lesh about where you go when you die. Right. Yes. This is what like is... Laura really liked this conversation between them, right, about death. I thought this was beautifully, beautifully done. So another scene, this next scene coming up is the most memorable scene when I was a kid that always stood out to me. So Marty and Vesica that just got bit, he goes to the kitchen, he takes a steak out of the fridge and it moves freely by itself. And there's something coming out of it. I don't know if it's bugs. We're both looking like... See, this part I didn't I didn't get. Yeah, well... I didn't see how that relates to a poltergeist. Like, they, they can't make you see things. They can just move energy. So... Like, I, it's a steak move, that yeah. would be fine. Then the but, fried chicken has, was covered in maggots. Yeah, I, I don't know So how. that whole scene, and then when he goes to the bathroom and he looks himself in the mirror and he starts ripping his face apart. Again, that, I never understood that. That always just stood out to me. So the investigators look and see an appara this apparition coming down the stairs. And like this flash of light comes out. Which I thought was really, really cool. And they showed also they're recording it. And Ryan, the investigator, rewound it. And you see like numerous people now. Just like light, people. like Yeah, lit up. Like almost right. Like they're all, what would you call it? Like luminous bodies? What do you call them, right? This all, like you can see like human sure. form. Spirits. And Laura also noted how the one, uh, what's his name, Marty ripped his face off. That freaked him out and he left. When we were watching yeah, it, right? Marty's he not coming Yeah, back. they said, yeah, he's, <laughs> so he's out the window now. And they also show, this happens quick, Robbie leaves in a cab. So they want him near all this. Yeah, Robbie and the and dog, Dana, I believe. And now Dana, Dana leaves. Dana is not in this film yeah, very, a lot. Yeah, she's kind of like, she's not, she like disappears, right? And then we don't really... Yeah, because she much. is just absolutely scared to death during this whole, and she doesn't want to be anywhere near the house. So then, uh, Mr. Teague, and that's I don't know if that's Steve's boss, somebody he works with. Uh, he talked with him, and they plan to move a cemetery to another area. They're talking about, and Steve asked if that's sacrilegious, and Teague said it's been done in 1976, all 300 acres of Cuesta Verde, California, which Steve realizes that's where he lives right and that's right he's right. putting these things together so and okay on that point 
Yes. We were kind of confused um, because all of these people live in this development mm -hmm. and no one else is affected by this poltergeist. Why just this one house? And, you know, we kept watching it. Were, did they recently move in? No, that's not it. Um, is it because they're digging a pool? That's what we had originally thought of. Mm -hmm. Why it would attack these people? Are they disturbing graves? Just yep. normal. So um, I did a little research. And I found, I'm not sure if this is accurate, but I guess per the novelization. Mm -hmm. because, they are different sometimes. Uh, because Carol Ann was born in the burial, or on the burial ground. Um, the spirit was, uh, was well, attracted to <laughs> attracted. her. So she's the only one. Attracted all the other to kids, her life force. Yeah, so all the other kids weren't, right? I They're born somewhere wording. else. So she's the only one. So that's the explanation. Apparently... But yeah, but sometimes novelizations are different. So that's a, a that's at least development. A, She's the only baby. So that's born. that's at least a good explanation. Which no, for I whatever the reason, pool digging was better. Well, because well, they we'll left the bodies. Well, they moved well, we'll the headstones, but they yes. left the bodies. So okay. <laughs> yeah, so that comes up <laughs> later, definitely. right? Yes, it does. So Tangina, who we're introduced to, she's like like a clairvoyant, right? Is sent by the paranormal team to investigate the house. And Tianjin explains that what you're saying, Caroline's life force is what they're attracted to. But I guess what Laura said, that's the reason why. Not just like a random thing, right? Because she's... Yeah, specifically her. That's why they took her. And the souls don't realize that they are deceased. They're after her for whatever reason. And Caroline must help them cross over. Right. I so... love Tianjina. <laughs> she is a perfect character i don't know where they got that lady but she's phenomenal and i feel like if she was here i could listen to her tell stories all day she's someone <laughs> where like she's cast perfectly for this role for whatever reason like just she's wonderful yeah she's just whoever cast her did a great job she just she works for this film and laura we talked i don't think you said in the episode but something you said and I agree with you when you were talking about the family you said you believe this is a real family when we're watching this you Sometimes you watch a movie, TV series, you're like, this just seems like assembled by people. This feels like a this, real family. I, I believe they're so real, like, as a family that this actually happened. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's how real they are to me. And they're also people that I want to hang out with, which is why I could probably watch this so many times. Like, it's such a wholesome movie. Okay. Sort of. Yeah, <laughs> well, to a degree. To, to a degree. To a, yes, family yes, yes in, in that <laughs> sense, yeah. But, so now... Uh, so there's a terrible presence with Carol Ann, and the presence lies to her. And Tangina says, now let's get her to Diane, because she explains all this to her. And Diane talks to Carol Ann and tells her to run to the light. And then Tangina throws items into the bedroom. They did, like, this test, right? She throws them in the bedroom, and then they come down the stairs, right? Almost like this is... Yeah, she wanted to see where the portal... Yeah, so the where... Exit, the entrance and the exit. Yes, so they figure that out. So that's how Tangina throws items in, what, like a tennis ball, I believe, right? Yeah. So Diane tells Caroline to stay away from the light. And then they have this rope set up, which I believe you're saying this was Robbie's idea, right? He kind of came up with this, talking to Dr. Lesh about a rope. So. They had a conversation. He goes, what if you had a rope? Yeah. And then so they actually use a rope. They throw it into the closet upstairs and it appears in the living room now. And the idea of the rope is something Robbie brought up, like we said. And Diane goes in after Carol Ann with the rope tied around her. 
which is again, this is, if someone's daughter is in there, they would risk themselves for this. I would. Would you? Yes. That's why I found it strange that her, um, Dana always wanted to leave because that's a big sister. Like, I know I'm not in her shoes, but I feel like I would go in there, rescue my brother, wouldn't you? Yeah. I know you would. (laughs) So... (laughs) So, yeah, so they do that, the ropes tied around Mother. Then you see almost like this giant skull-type face. I don't know how you just heard it. Monstrous face comes out of the closet. And then Carolyn and Diane, they appear now in the living room. So Diane does get her, and she's, like, covered in what is this ectoplasm type. It almost looks like this blood mucus-type Yeah, that's type the only thing I could think of. ...material, right? And then uh, Tangina says, this house is clean. Yeah. Another famous line. Classic. So, after this happens, the, the Freelings are they're ready to move out after dealing with the poltergeist. And it shows the moving company packing up everything. And at this point, you think everything's over. And then we realize, well, there's still more to come. And they show Robbie and Caroline playing in the bed, in their bedroom. And Robbie's holding a Kenner Hot Solo blaster. That's another thing I have to mention, Laura. Mm-hmm. It's important. <laughs> All this uh, is just because... What good friends now? Steven Spielberg is with George Lucas, so this is like kind of like he's throwing in these these little things. Then we see the clown doll again. Oh, I did. And this is in the what's that? That uh, hold on. Yes. Um, that in one of the scenes that the clown was choking. You're just gonna get right there. Yes, this is exactly. Okay, go ahead and say it. Okay. Well, first, we'll we'll sort of they show the clown doll in the rocking chair again, and Robbie. throws the sweatshirt over it and Caroline is holding like this headless doll on her bed and then she puts the head back yeah, on the doll that was weird too. before sleeping what which weird is weird kid. so then this is where the part comes with the the clown doll he looks up and the clown's no longer on the rocking chair and he looks under his bed Robbie and that's where the clown starts strangling him so I read that the clown was actually strangling him and it was too tight and he said yep. I can't breathe and Steven Spielberg thought he was ad-libbing yeah. And he really couldn't breathe, so they had to stop filming and take <laughs> This is like Steven Spielberg. There's something in all his films. I remember in Jaws, the beginning of that film, there's a woman that's getting pulled under. It's supposed to be like Jaws pulling under, yeah. and they use ropes to pull her under, and she ad-libbed some line. They broke her ribs during it. So, <gasps> the, so there's a curse. Oh my goodness. There's a curse, which Laura's going to talk about later with the poltergeist. curse. But it seems like, is there a curse with Steven Spielberg? That's the question. Is everything he's linked to, right? Um, so, no, I'm joking. Or how many events would cause, like, a, a curse? Like, yeah. I don't know, I don't right? Know. Is we'll it coincidence? Right? That's the question. Is it all coincidence? Yeah. So that seems very memorable, right? So it's like some mechanics that they're using to go around his neck, but it really did tighten up on him. But this is a very memorable scene to me. And then this is another one. And... With Diane's dragged across the room, and the ceiling is like lifting up her shirt and stuff, and they parodied this in one of the scary was a scary movie too. One of those scary movies I remember. Yes, because this is the part of the movie that I have issues with. It's the only thing I have a problem with. Not a problem, but it's just I think it's ridiculous and overdone. That okay, part. that's what you thought. It was a little and over the top. How did you this... feel about it? <sighs> too much, right? Um, I don't know. Just the way it was. Later on the film, I don't know if their whole thing is okay. You think everything's done, and now we're just going to amp things up more. Maybe they, but I think it maybe was they did up too much. Maybe you might have a point there with right with the I strangling. just thought it was so perfect with the way they had saved Carol Ann. You wanted to they end didn't like that. Need it, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, but so 
that happens now, right? So you got the, the mother going across the room. And then a ghost comes out of the closet. And so then Diane runs outside into the area where the pool was, you know, being dung up. And it's raining. And then when she falls into the pool, it's filled with all these corpses. Very, and this is very much like a, I think a lot of this reminds me, because this is a Steel, Steven Spielberg production, reminds me actually of Raiders of the Lost Ark. The, the look of that ghost coming out, the looks of these corpses that oh, were in Raiders. It kind of reminds saying. me of that actually. And then, uh, so, I'm sorry, so it's raining, the rain loss. And then Diane runs back into the house, and then this portal opens up in the kid's bedroom that tries to suck them in. Then Steve's driving in the car back to the house with Mr. T. Oh, uh, wait. I have one more thing on What's that, that, too. What's that? That, um, that broke Carol Ann because she was, after that scene, she was just done. She was screaming and crying, and she didn't want anything to do with it. And I read that Steven Spielberg took her in his arms. And oh, told really? Her, you don't have to do that scene again. Really? Yeah. Okay. That was wow, too much for her. Yeah, well, especially at that age, seeing all this, right? And. You're kind of at that point, you know it's make-believe, but then you kind of don't, because some of this is really, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of intense, and right, actually, for a kid. And actually, she almost didn't get that part. Uh, what's her name? Heather O'Rourke? Okay. She almost didn't get it. Uh, Drew Barrymore was oh, being wow. looked at for the role. Interesting. And Because um, he did E.T. also, right around the same that's time. What, so they put her in E.T. instead. Uh-huh. But they almost didn't choose Heather O'Rourke because she laughed during her... Oh, the audition. She was silly. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. But he saw something in her, and I, 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 I don't want to mix it up, but I think he saw her out somewhere with her mom. They okay. just saw her out, and they well, yeah, wanted. She's adorable little kid. There's something. Yeah, she's. They wanted very... an angelic appearance. Yes. And that's what she had over Drew Barrymore. Sure. Didn't have the makes, angelic. That makes sense. So then these coffins with the bodies start popping up out of the ground. And that's where you were talking about earlier, Mr. Teague. He says, you left the bodies, because <laughs> you left the bodies and moved the headstones. And Teague at first didn't think this was anything. And then he sees all this. He's like, Holy shit, right? That was <laughs> the look yeah. on his face. And this is a, an, the other scene that happens right while this is happening. The house, like, implodes. This looks very odd. Yeah, like, the way it's this, too much. It's very, that was, I agree with you on that. It gets a little, it's a bit much. It's a little too theatrical, right? Yes. Where you're kind of like, but it went from being believable it. to like, well, maybe this is too much Hollywood, right? Injection into this. Yeah. And then it shows the family. They drive off. They finally leave the house now, right after this, because there is no house anymore. It looks like. And then they stay in this Holiday Inn, and the ending was really good. How it just shows. They're exhausted. The camera. Yeah. They're the so ca- tired. They're walking into the motel. Go ahead. And then Steve just takes the TV out of the motel and just leaves it outside, and that's how it yeah, ends. Yeah, which it was, was like that was a really really good ending, I thought, for the film. Screw this. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, those you know that's basically the gist of the movie. For quotes, I I put down. I mean, I know you mentioned like like they're here, right? That's your favorite quote, right? One of your favorite quotes of all yeah. time. Other ones that were in the film. Uh where Robbie and Caroline are talking. He says, you're a fart bag. And she goes, you're a doggy bag. Oh, you're a doggy bag. <laughs> but, uh, and this, yeah, <laughs> you're a doggy bag. And this was filmed in Simi Valley, California. And the effects were done by ILM, which I said, 
how it's kind of similar looking to Indian uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Same crew, so that's why it looks so similar. Okay. I think a lot of this still holds up, would you say? Like, I mean, a lot of the effects overall, I'd say, everything's still... Uh, I very, think it was good. Where cer certain things look dated in certain of these films from 1982, I think a lot of this still holds up. I was watching some behind the scenes, and it's a lot more involved than I realized how much, like, the way this was going on, the way the set was, and the way they moved the, the stage around. Oh, I would like to see that. Yeah, it's on YouTube, actually, and they have, um, when it shows inside the closet, another thing, you don't, you see all the bright lights coming out, but they had to use a, they have a whole, like, this wall of, like, little tiny mirrors, and they have a fish tank. Okay, we're about to watch that after this. Yes, and, like, <laughs> and lighting to reflect against it, so they really, uh, they really did a lot of experimentation on this to really get this to look right. Cool. Uh, the music is by Jerry Goldsmith. He's... I think he's very underrated. Everybody mentions John Williams all the time, but Jerry Goldsmith did a lot of great things, like Gremlins, for example. Right? Would you agree? I love Gremlins. So, all right. So, do you want to talk about some of the the supposed curse, Laura? That yeah, let's talk about some of the curse, and also um, on Shutter. What's the name? It's oh, cursed. Curse! They actually have an episode about poltergeist if yeah, you want to so watch more about watch it. that okay so some do say this movie is cursed and these are the reasons four cast members died during and soon after the filming of the series so two of the deaths were unexpected carol ann freeling played by heather o'rourke was misdiagnosed with crohn's disease in 1988 she fell ill and her symptoms were attributed to the flu a day later she collapsed and suffered cardiac arrest she was airlifted to the hospital where she died during an operation to correct a bowel obstruction. It was believed she had been suffering from con congenial intestinal abnormality. Oh, okay. Sad. And Dana Freeling, played by Dominique Dunn, which was the sister, older sister, in 1982, after breaking up with her boyfriend John Sweeney, he showed up at her house and pleaded for her to take him back. When she refused, he choked her until she was unconscious and then wow. left her to die. That's crazy. In her driveway. Terrible. Um, so these two other deaths weren't as, like, puzzling. Um, there was an evil preacher, Cain. He was in Poltergeist 2, mm -hmm. played by Julian, was it Beck? Julian Beck? That's what I have down. Mm -hmm. Was diagnosed with stomach cancer, which took his life after he finished work on the second installment. And then Will Sampson, who played Taylor, the Native American shaman, after undergoing a heart-lung transplant, okay. um, he also died. And the survival rate for that is not good. I didn't know that. Okay. So those are the four deaths that happened. In addition, um, let's see, Joe Beth Williams, who played Diane Freeling, claimed that Spielberg insisted on using actual human skeletons as uh, props mm -hmm. in an attempt to save money. Yeah. So in the pool, supposedly, those are really I Yeah, other films like that was common in that time period. I think they were from India. I think a lot of the skeletons are from, I, I believe. You're right. So. That's in the cursed documentary. Um, and then Samson, who we just who died, the one I just talked about, uh, the real he was a real-life medicine man. Um, or he played the shaman, sorry. He performed an authentic exorcism after shooting wrapped up one night. Mm -hmm. Who knows yeah. what he was performing well. an exorcism on, but all of these things, 
yes for this movie, I believe something was going on with it. Uh, maybe the skeletons have a part to play in this, but there's not a lot of movies that I do believe that they were cursed, as people say, but this is one that okay. I Okay. All right. How I do have... you feel? Oh, well, it was a little... It's a little strange. Yeah, you didn't hear about this happening with a lot of other films. This, this didn't happen with Close Encounters, right? There was no curse with that, <laughs> right? So I have some notes here about the production, some other things. So there was a clause in Steven Spielberg's contract that prevented him from directing any other film while preparing for E.T. So there's always this dispute. Did Toby Hooper really direct this, or is this really a Steven Spielberg film? There's a lot of dispute with that. I don't know oh, if you ever heard that. Nope. So, here's uh, one thing. Toby isn't a take-charge sort of guy. If a question was asked and answer wasn't immediately forthcoming, I'd jump and say what we could do. Toby would not nod in agreement and become the process of collaboration. So, there's other... Other cast members were saying that Toby did do a lot of the work. Like Craig T. Nelson confirmed Hooper was a director, but was strongly influenced by Spielberg. And Oliver Robbins, who played Robbie, said that. Now, how could you be a director and not be a take charge kind of person? Yeah, I think... You don't just stand there and do I'm nothing. I'm thinking because Spielberg wrote, you know, partially wrote the script, he wanted... That makes more sense and, and you there let was, him have a lot more say. And there was this, you know, because he wasn't allowed to direct it too, did he, like, couldn't legally direct it but still want to direct it, right? So, yeah, you don't know what went on. I don't know, I but, don't but, yeah, but there, but yeah. you can be a director without being a take-charge type of person. Yeah, that so that's, yeah, so that's And just, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is pretty damn good, so. It is, it's just very different. Like, if you look at this, this is nothing like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but if you look at that, he did, Toby Hooper did a film called Life Force. And it's kind of a similar feel to this, so. But also, maybe he just, he he thought a lot of Steven Spielberg, too, when he yeah, wanted him. So he he yeah, liked so, his idea. Sure. I don't know. Who am it's I? Possible, I'm just like arguing but, about something that doesn't but matter. But I just figure we bring this up how there is, you know, there's kind of some disputes about. Yeah, I so, think it's interesting. But something, uh, what else? So I, I have some other notes here. The dog's name, E-Buzz, comes from a sketch on Saturday Night Live with Dan Aykroyd as E-Buzz Miller, a pimp who critiques naked Victorian art. Oh. Interesting. Okay. What else do we have? Um, oh, I brought this up to you when we're, we're watching this. Uh, Diane tells Carol to stop watching the static in the kitchen television and turns on a movie. Uh, it's a war film called Go For Broke. I didn't know the name of the film. But there's a clip called The Wilhelm Scream. If I... Do you remember I mentioned that that screams in numerous films, yes. a lot of Steven Spielberg films and George Lucas films. Yes, actually. you always point that so out. So that because if you hear that, that's just it's it's such an odd sounding scream. So that's just something to to mention. Okay, so now this we have to look this up later. Two thousand eight paid an homage to Poltergeist in a Directv commercial where Craig T. Nelson. Prizes the role of Steve Freeling, complained to Carol Ann and the audience that Static on the TV set is just from bad cable reception and quips. Not getting rid of cable, that's going to come back to haunt me. And it says Heather Rourke's family were pleased with the ad and keeping her memory alive. Aww. So I thought that was pretty interesting that they made a commercial about that and her family was happy with it too. Yeah. The... 
The crawling stake was done by using a real stake, which was laid over a slot between two tiles and the countertop. Two wires were fastened to the bottom of the stake in a special effects operator. Hidden under the counter, simply move the wires to make the stake crawl like a caterpillar. Oh, and there's one last thing, because Laura loves Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights. We missed this, Laura. In 2018, they had a poltergeist house, so oh, we, have to, no. we have to also look that up on YouTube. But uh, this also, for awards, the BAFTA Film Awards, Best Special Effects, Richard Enlund, and Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, 1983, Saturn Award winner, Best Horror Film, and Best Supporting Actress, Zelda Rubenstein won, uh, and for Best Makeup, Dorothy J. Pearl won. And so now the budget for this was $10,700,000, and it grossed uh, over $77 million. Wow. So that's why we saw these sequels, and then we had this remake in 2015, which was very forgettable. Do you agree? I we, don't so, remember we saw it, it just for the hell of it, and we we're both just like, it wasn't terrible, it just was forgettable. I couldn't There's tell you anything about it. You shouldn't even touch. Yeah. This is one. So now. For the scale, you know, thumbs way up means excellent. Thumbs way down means excrement. So then you can do thumbs up, down, in yeah, the yeah. middle. Okay, yeah, All yeah. right. All right. Thumbs uh, way up, so high up, up in the air. <laughs> and why? Well, like I've said, I feel like this movie actually happened except the end. We can, the end, end. Like yeah, it ended the third they, act, yeah, right? The third Once act. That. Um, I feel like this is a real family. I would want to hang out with them. I watch it over and over again. Um, it was it was fun. It was a little scary, and it was heartwarming. Just like okay. I don't know. And I feel like anybody can watch this movie. Like it, you just don't have to be a horror fan. Like I remember watching this with my parents, and they don't really That's, watch okay. horror movies. Okay. That's exactly what I have for the similar thing in my notes. But I give this thumbs up, not way up. I like it. I don't love it like you I do. I love it. Okay. Wait, and I like that the story is based on a poltergeist rather than like a classic ghost story mm -hmm. because there's so many classic Yeah, it, ghost it was stories. different for in that sense you're right. So, I basically what you said how anybody could watch this is like a it's a like an entry level horror film where if you're at a young age, it's not going to really scare you because I was probably 10 or so when I saw this. It didn't like really really scare me. It was interesting. There's, there's certain parts like, I liked I'd say it, with the clown, though. But nothing didn't really, really freak no, me out. This no. is going to really terrify a kid. When I saw Nightmare on Elm Street, okay, that scared me. This didn't really scare me, but I enjoyed it. It's, you know, for the casual audience, like you said before. It's for everyone. Yeah, it, it is. It's a Spielberg film, so that's why I feel it's more of a Spielberg influence than a Toby Hooper. Because Toby Hooper films are not for a mainstream audience. You know, that's kind of the difference, I feel, right. you know, so... Like you said, the realistic family, the effects, I feel, still hold up. Yeah, like, I literally, no pun intended, feel the energy from this movie every time I watch it. Mm -hmm. Like, I am so engaged. And the other thing is, too, almost everybody you talk to has a some type of ghost story, some type of paranormal type. Everyone. Unexplained thing, so that, I feel, is relatable, too. Yep. So, you give it thumbs way up, I give it thumbs up. Uh, it, you know, like I said before about it being referenced and parodied, this has been referenced numerous times 
TV shows, cartoons, movies. Okay, we are on the same page because I feel like, you know those shows that they have on now, like My Haunted House, okay. My Haunting, all those like uh, real live, like okay. uh, that yeah. they interview real people. I feel like every single one of those has a format of Poltergeist. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just, it, it, it's so, this is, I don't know if you call it like the prototype for ghost type, you know, paranormal films, but it's up there, I'd say, in that sense. So, I have to say, basically, Laura, we're done with this episode, right? Any other last-minute comments? No, I could talk forever about this movie. Okay, so, all right, Laura, this episode is clean. shocking things and want to support the show please rate review and subscribe on spotify apple radio or wherever you listen to this podcast sharing the episodes you enjoy on social media also help to see more information pertaining to each episode please go to our social media and interact with us on instagram it's at shocking.things.podcast on twitter at things shocking and on facebook at shocking things podcast or go to anchor.fm slash shocking things for the main hub with the links to everything. Until next time, try and enjoy the daylight.